Hello, my friends. What a surprise I have for you today. On Saturday, we sued Justin Trudeau's former justice minister, David Lamenti. I didn't even know you could file a lawsuit on Saturday, but we did. He got the lawsuit on Sunday. And incredibly, today, Monday, he pretty much caved in. Now, we're not done with them yet, but I'll give you the full update. That's today's show. But first, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's the video version of this podcast. It's eight bucks a month. You can get that at rebelnewsplus.com. Eight bucks a month is good value for you, I put it. But more than that, it's the way we stay alive because we do not take any money from Trudeau, and it shows. All right, here's today's podcast. Tonight, we sued David Lametti on Saturday. It's Monday, and he's already half caved in. I'll give you all the details. It's January 29th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. In my hand here, I have a court order that I just got a few days ago. I haven't had a chance to tell you about it yet. It is an order compelling three liberal cabinet ministers, Marcy Ian, Yara Sachs, and Karina Gould, to forever unban Rebel News journalists and ordered those three uh, lovely liberal ladies to pay us $1,750 in legal costs for violating our rights and making us go to court. It's a very similar order to the one that Stephen Gilbo had to sign a few months back. I was going to make my monologue about that today and make the case that this is sort of a small victory, but it is a victory nonetheless. And anything that's going in the direction of more freedom is the pendulum coming back. It's not a big win like last week's federal court ruling, but it's a win nonetheless. So I was I actually had written my whole monologue on the subject when bam, I received news from our legal team, Chad Williams and his firm. As you may have heard from my emails and, and a little video I did on the weekend, we sued David Lametti on the weekend. David Lametti, the former justice minister, um, the disgraced justice minister, I think is a, a fair thing to say. He was the justice minister who illegally approved Justin Trudeau's call for martial law. And then he was sacked from cabinet. And after last week's uh, federal court ruling against the Emergencies Act, he resigned in disgrace, oddly being picked up by a law firm called Faskin Martineau. Anyways, what we noticed is that he had deleted his government Twitter account, which is not his account. It's got that great check mark saying it's government. And that's all his public records and some of his private communications too. In my mind, it was like he was sneaking away and shredding all the documents that might hold him culpable, especially as the lawsuits now deploy against the government. Anyway, I was blown away by the fact that today, David Lamenti put his Twitter account back up. We sued him on Saturday. We served him with the papers on Sunday. I didn't even know you could do that. I didn't know you could do these things on a weekend. And then today, Monday, Lametti basically says, oh, okay, and he puts it back up. That's a, that's a win for Rebel News. However, I'm not going to take that win to the bank because we need the court to order it so he can't sidestep this again. He can't secretly delete things. Anyways, when I heard this news, I did an emergency live stream. Let me play that for you today. This is what I did a few hours ago as the news broke. But let me tell you, I am not satisfied with this until I have a court order like this one. This bans Marcy Ian, Yarrow Sachs, and Karina Gould from ever banning us on Twitter again for the rest of their careers. And if they 
do it, they're in violation of the court. That's a powerful thing. David Lametti grudgingly putting Twitter back up today is a good step, but until I have it in a court order, I will not be satisfied. In fact, I'm recording this. I'm checking my watch. This is about 3 p.m. when I'm recording it. At 4 p.m., I have to hop on a Zoom call with a, called a case management judge that basically says, okay, well, it's a very emergency case. Here's the deadline. So it's just a procedural hearing, but, but we are very much dedicated to seeing this through. All right, without further ado, here's my live stream when I just got the news. Come back after the live stream because we've got an interview with Robert Krejcik who's doing interesting things in Ottawa. Okay, here's the live stream which has the news. Ezra Levant here from Rebel News. I am coming to you with a breaking news live stream update. You may have heard over the weekend <clears throat> that Rebel News and myself sued David Lametti, the disgraced justice minister who invoked the martial law, the Emergencies Act. We sued him because he was deleting and destroying government records, namely his Twitter account. We filed that lawsuit. Normally, you don't file a lawsuit on a weekend. I've never, in fact, heard of that before. But uh, our, our lawyer, our legal team, Chad Williamson, um, is one of our most keen lawyers and I would say our winningest lawyer. He's the guy who won various uh, lawsuits against cabinet ministers like Stephen Gilboa. He also got us accreditation in the 2021 election debates. But let's talk about what he did this weekend. He filed a lawsuit for me personally and Rebel News as a company against David Lametti and the government of Canada. And Lametti in his personal capacity as well as his government capacity because David Lametti had a Twitter account with that gray government checkmark. And if you know Twitter, you know that gray government checkmark means it is an official government account. It's not a personal account. It's not a private account. It's not for friends and family. It's not done using personal resources or party resources. It is a civil service project. And after the federal court ruled last week that the Emergencies Act was illegal, unreasonable, unjustifiable, unintelligible, and unconstitutional, those are all words from the ruling, Lametti quit. <laughs> he quit Parliament and he announced he was going to work for some fancy law firm called Faskin Martineau. Uh, remind me never to deal with a law firm like Faskin Martineau that hires a disgraced, discredited, civil liberties torching justice minister. I mean, why you would hire a loser like that is beyond me. Um, but on his way out the door, he was destroying documents. That, that's what it means when you delete your Twitter account. You're destroying your records, not just your public-facing records, but any private direct messages any DMs, as they're called. And the reason that's important is because we know for a fact that these cabinet ministers use private communications like that. We saw it during the uh, judicial inquiry into the Truckers Commission. So not only was David Lametti deleting his public record, which is outrageous to begin with, but he was deleting, he, that sneaky little bastard was deleting his private message to other MPs, other cabinet ministers, and whoever else he was talking to on Twitter. And he thought he would just casually do this as he left the building, just delete it. But that's the thing, it's not his Twitter account to delete. That would be if, like if the disgraced Catherine McKenna, former environment minister, 
who, you know, billions of dollars missing from her department. It's enough that she quit in disgrace. But imagine if she deleted all the files, had all the hard drives wiped and all the papers shredded for her mismanagement. I mean, by the way, there's still no justice to come there. But as far as we know, she didn't call the shredders. In 2024, you delete documents by pushing a button. Uh, you know, maybe 20 years ago, you would have shredding trucks parked outside the office working all night. It's not how it goes in 2024. But what's incredible is how few mainstream media journalists pointed out his deletion of his Twitter account. And I think it was almost zero who cared about it. Well, we cared about it at Rebel News. And we took him to court. And I want you to look at that lawsuit. It was a pretty good lawsuit filed by Chad Williams and his team. You can find the whole thing at StopTheCoverUp.com. That's the special website we set up. Don't you think that's a good name for it? Because that's what it was. I mean, if David Lamenti wants to delete his family Facebook page, that's his business. If he wants to delete his private social media accounts, I don't care. I have no interest in them. But I have a huge interest in his public accounts because he's a public person who's involved in a public controversy. And uh, literally this morning, I received a phone call from a law firm in Vancouver that is working with people who were damaged by martial law who are planning to sue the government. So in a very real sense, what David Lametti was trying to delete was evidence. It was absolutely evidence that would be crucial in the upcoming lawsuit. And he thought he would delete it. But remember who David Lametti is. How did such a man become justice minister? Do you remember the story there? Canada had a justice minister named Jody Wilson-Raybould who was the first indigenous justice minister in Canadian history. Certainly Trudeau made a lot of fanfare about that, as did the media. But the thing about Jody Wilson-Raybould is I think she actually cared about the law. Now, she was a bit of a left-wing ideologue, let's be honest. But I, I think she had a lot of integrity. And, and it is sort of exciting that an indigenous person became justice minister. I'll say it. I mean, I, maybe that's affirmative action on my part. But I, I mean, that is a, a step towards harmony, I think. You know, but the trouble is she was too ethical. And when Justin Trudeau's friends at a corrupt Montreal-based uh, engineering firm called SNC-Lavalin, when they were caught bribing their way into, I think it was a hospital, they, were, they bribed public officials to get a contract. So they were being prosecuted for corruption. Um, and, and they weren't disputing that, by the way. Justin Trudeau and his staff, including Gerald Butts, kept pestering Jody Wilson-Raybould to drop the, drop the trial, to call off the trial, to call off a criminal trial. And Jody Wilson-Raybould would not do it. In fact, she was sort of shocked that Trudeau was demanding that she do it. And so he fired her. Justin Trudeau fired Jody Wilson-Raybould because she was too honest. Have you ever heard of that before? So who would he replace to succeed her? Obviously, it's not going to work if you fire her and replace her with someone else who's ethical and puts the rule of law and independence of the judiciary above partisan politics. Obviously, firing Jody Wilson-Raybould and getting a second Jody Wilson-Raybould is not going to help you with your goal of letting your crooked, corrupt, uh, bribe-paying Montreal cronies off the hook. It's not going to work. So the chief qualification for being the successor to Jody Wilson-Raybould, is someone who will obey Justin Trudeau no matter what. And that man was named David Lametti. And wouldn't you know it, the chief 
defining characteristic about him is that he will put his obedience to Justin Trudeau about his public duties. That actually became crucially important two years ago when Justin Trudeau proposed to invoke martial law, the Emergencies Act, an act that had never been used before, not even during 9-11. Now, a plain reading of the Emergencies Act, you don't even have to be a lawyer to get this, is that you can only invoke martial law if there is a serious violence in the country, a real insurrection, a revolution, an invasion, something of an existential threat. It has to be an extraordinarily dangerous situation. And step two in the decision, you have to do invoke martial law only if no existing laws can handle the situation. So if there was, God forbid, an invasion of Canada, if our Canadian forces could repel it normally, you, you don't need to put the country under martial law. In fact, it's illegal to do so. So the Emergencies Act, which was drafted, I don't know, about, almost 40 years ago, as a successor to the War Measures Act, it had some checks and balances within it. You can only use the Emergencies Act if the country is in a grave situation tantamount to a revolution or an invasion. And you can only do it even then if your regular laws don't work. Well, obviously, regular laws work just fine on the truckers. They were honking too much. A court ordered them to stop. They stopped. Honking problem solved. There were some uh, tickets for parking. Okay, that they paid their tickets. And that was about it. There was no serious violence. There was no violence at all, in fact. And so David Lametti knew, because he's a smart lawyer, that invoking the Emergencies Act was as Justice Mosley of the Federal Court announced last week, illegal, unintelligible, unreasonable, unjustified, and unconstitutional. David Lametti and every other lawyer involved knew it was illegal and unconstitutional, but David Lametti did it anyways because he was hired specifically for his moral failure. The fact that he was corrupt and corruptible was precisely why Trudeau chose him to be the justice minister. Jody Wilson-Raybould would never have approved this. David Lemeny would have approved anything. And so when the uh, federal court ruled, as I mentioned last week, David Lemeny resigned and disgraced and slunked and sneaked out of Ottawa, going to his luxury reward at Faskin Martineau, the law firm. But even on his way out the door, he was an unethical, corrupt liberal, wasn't he? Deleting his own, look at that bow tie. I know a few people with bow ties, but just the fact that that little weasel is wearing a bow tie is his way of saying, I'm untouchable, I'm different than you, I'm, I'm above you, the rules of ethics don't apply to me. I shouldn't knock bow ties, I have some good friends who wear them. But to see that little prat in there, as he sells out, the, the job of the justice minister, you can tell it from the word justice minister, is to administer justice. The job of the justice minister is to ensure justice is done, to protect the civil liberties of Canadians, including to protect them from the government itself. But that little weasel did the opposite. He sold out justice. He sold out the citizens to his boss. And what a disgrace. David Lametti is an unremarkable man. The fact that he looks like a weasel is secondary, and I'm sorry, I shouldn't have mentioned that weaselly weasel, because that, that's not the main point. Yes, he's a weasel. 
But the main point is he sold out his fellow Canadians, and that is all he will ever be known for. His epitaph will be, here lies the weasel that sold out his fellow man. It takes remarkable courage, like Jody Wilson, were able to stand up to a bully. David Lemetti was the bully's assistant. But here's my point. We went to court on Saturday. Have you ever heard of such a thing? We rushed to court. We made an emergency application. In fact, I'm I'm recording this live stream at 2 p.m. Eastern time. We're running live at 2 p.m. Eastern. In just under two hours, we will have a case management meeting with the federal court because when you file an emergency lawsuit on Saturday, the court sort of wakes up on Monday and says, oh, we better get going. Let's get our timing straight. So at 4 p.m. today, a case management judge will set out, okay, the, the plaintiff's We'll have their paperwork in on this day, and the government will have two days to respond, and et cetera, et cetera. You might say, well, what's the point of that now, Ezra? That David Lametti has, show it please, Ephron, has restored his account. It was gone on Friday. It was gone on Saturday. We sued on Saturday. We served all the bad guys copies of the lawsuits on Sunday. And would you look at this on Monday? David Lametti's Twitter account is back. We sued on Saturday. He put it back up on Monday. I don't think I've ever seen such a quick surrender in my life, except when you're dealing with a little weasel, it's not enough for him to do something like that because what if he deletes it again tomorrow? Or what if not he, but one of Trudeau's henchmen deletes it tomorrow? Or what if they have a whoopsies accident and delete it tomorrow? Or what if they're just quietly deleting selected tweets? There are so many things that a weaselly weasel might do to be weaselly. And so that is why we have to pursue and proceed with this lawsuit. We need a court order requiring and compelling Lametti and anyone else not to touch those records, not to delete anything, to preserve those records forever, theoretically, as long as there is litigation afoot, as long as there is a dearth of accountability for the abuses of the Emergencies Act. Imagine that little weasel who thinks he will sneak out the back door, deleting all his files as he go. And the thing is, he almost got away with it. Do you think the Toronto Star or the CBC or the Globe and Mail held him to account? They did not. Only Little Rebel News and our crowdfunded lawsuit did. Yesterday, I was swearing and signing affidavits in this matter. Uh, I think our total filings, including exhibits and documents, are 1,000 pages. It'll be interesting to see what the government says at 4 p.m. today. I'm going to go and check right now to see if we have any live stream tweets. If you have any, excuse me, super chats uh, or rumble rants, I think they're called, on rumble. We have none so far, but if you've got something to say... Um, I'll be on the live stream for another 10 minutes or so. Um, I'm just looking out right now. Uh, I'm, I'm looking through my notes here. It's very exciting. It's very exciting what's happening. I want to re- touch on one more thing. Efron, that document you showed me. Remember during the fake judicial inquiry into the Emergencies Act? I call it fake because... Trudeau handpicked the judge. Trudeau wrote the terms of reference. 
Trudeau gave an artificial timeline to the judge, and to the surprise, the judge said, oh, yeah, your invocation of the Emergencies Act was fine. Total stitch up. But in the real trial, it was an independent judge that Trudeau did not, did not choose with real rules of evidence, real rules of law, and Trudeau violated the Constitution. But during that fake commission of inquiry, this document was presented as evidence. Now, I don't quite understand the two different colors there, and some people have said this was a doctored document, but whatever its providence, this was shown by the Trucker Commission of Inquiry. This is a text message exchange between Marco Mendocino, the disgraced former public safety minister, and David Lemeny, the disgraced former justice minister. So, um, Lametti writes to Mendocino, you need to get the police to move. And the Canadian Armed Forces, is, if necessary, let's just stop right there. So politicians order cops to arrest protesters. Is that how it works? That's how it works in Trudeau's Canada under David Lametti. And the Canadian Armed Forces, really. You're going to roll in some fighter jets? Well, I don't think we have any to fly. Too many people are being seriously adversely impacted by what is an occupation. I am getting out as soon as I can. What, what you're running away from Ottawa? You little weaselly coward. Then he says, people are looking to us, you, for leadership. And not stupid people. People like Carney, Kath, my team. Mark Carney, what, what role did he have to play? He's not part of the government. I don't know who Kath is. Catherine McKenna? What, who cares what she says? So Mendocino writes back and says, how many tanks are you asking for? I just want to ask Anita, Anita Nan, the defense minister, how many we've got on hand. And Lametti writes back, I reckon one will do. Now, I've heard it said that this is just a joke. Really? Just, just a joke, eh? We know for a fact they did deploy the military. They deployed military drones to spy on peaceful protesters. We know this because that's the evidence that many of these uh, prosecutions of these peaceful protesters has relied on. Disclosure from the Canadian Armed Forces. We know this. Um, we know that they jailed people. We know they stomped ride horses on them. We know they seized bank accounts. Why would you suddenly think, ha-ha, this one they're kidding? David Lametti is the lowest of the low. You know that. I know that. Justin Trudeau knows that. That's why he hired him. We went from perhaps the most ethical justice minister uh, in our history, Johnny Whistler-Raybould, to the least ethical justice minister, David Lametti. And on his way out the door, he thought he would delete the files. But we sued him on Saturday and on Monday. He stopped. The reason I showed you that exchange with Marco Mendocino about the Canadian Armed Forces was not just to show what a depraved man he is, but to show the kind of chit-chat on text messages, on private communications that these cabinet ministers have with each other. One of the ways people on Twitter talk to each other is through direct messages. You don't actually need to call someone up or email them and say, what's your email? What's your phone number? How do I connect with you? The, one of the fun things on Twitter is if someone follows you, you can send them a direct message. I have many 
politicians follow me, for example, so I can just send them a direct message. I don't have to text them or phone them. It's actually a super convenient way of talking to someone. And unlike my phone list, which might have a thousand names in it, well, there's about 400,000 people who follow me on Twitter. So obviously that's like the largest possible phone book I could possibly have. And I just have to click direct message and I'm chatting with them. And I think people check their direct messages a lot more often than their email because they get so many fewer of them. I, I think most people get only a handful of direct messages a day as opposed to maybe 100 emails. My point is, I bet you that David Lametti had a ton of direct messages where he spoke candidly and off without his guard up about what to do with those protesters. We saw in that one text message that he was joking, I didn't see the, the humor, about deploying tanks. What else did this little weasel say when he thought no one else was looking? He managed to get through the public inquiry without being prosecuted or jailed. He managed to get through Justice Mosley's ruling last week without being prosecuted or jailed. And he thought all he had to do was delete his Twitter account and he'd be scot-free. Well, Rebel News is on the file. And uh, we're not done yet. The reason I tell you all this is because we are not giving up. I mean, you might say, Ezra, victory accomplished. Do a victory lap. You got that little weasel to put his Twitter account back up. No, 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 no. You have to understand how these guys think. You got to think like they think. We don't know what he's deleting. We don't know if he's cherry-picking embarrassing things. We don't know if he's gone back and deleted select things. We need a court order barring him from doing that. Amdrum12 chipped in a buck. <laughs> I'm in Georgia, USA, and I'm always impressed with Rebel News. Became aware during the trucker convoy in Viva Fry. You have our work cut out for you. Yeah, that's true. Um, all right. Well, you know what? I just wanted to make this announcement. There's not too much more. Uh, to tell you at this stage, at 4 p.m. Eastern, I will be attending the case conference where a case management judge will outline what happens now. Um, I'm excited that it seems like Lametti is surrendering at the first whiff of gunpowder. But these are tricksters, and I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't count on the fact that they're surrendering. I think they're still um, planning nasty things. Let me close by saying... No one else did this lawsuit, not the official opposition, not conservative party as a party, not other activist groups. Maybe, maybe charities couldn't even do it. I mean, I'm friends with the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms. I'm friends with the Democracy Fund, of course. And maybe their legal mandates under the uh, Revenue Canada wouldn't allow them to do this. Rebel News did this. And I think that's something that I'm proud of and something that you as our viewers and supporters and donors can be proud of. I haven't got the legal bill yet for the lawsuit. I know that three lawyers worked around the clock all weekend getting this lawsuit in and it's not going to be a gentle uh, bill when I receive it. And like I say, we're not done yet. We're just beginning. If you want to help us out, go to stopthecoverup.com because that's exactly what Lametti was doing. Go to stopthecoverup.com Dot com And I'll give you an update tomorrow after the case management hearing.
Well, one of our newer teammates is named Robert Krejcik. You probably have come to know him through his daily coverage of Tamara Leach's marathon trial in the city of Ottawa. Good thing Robert lives in Ottawa. This has allowed him to cover things day by day. Of course, there's a lot of news in Ottawa. And one of the new commissions of inquiry started today. It's looking into foreign interference. But as we learned last year, commissions of inquiry, when it's a hand-picked judge by Justin Trudeau doing a hand-drafted mandate drafted by Justin Trudeau, there's some real questions about whether they'll ever get to the bottom of things. Case in point, the trucker commission of inquiry by Justice Rollo basically gave Justin Trudeau the green light for his invocation of martial law. However, when that went before a real court, an independent judge who followed the law, not Justin Trudeau's directions, of course, we see what happened last week. Justice Mosley of the Federal Court of Canada ruled that Trudeau's martial law was, well, here's five words from the ruling, illegal, uh, unreasonable, unjustifiable, unintelligible, and unconstitutional. Well, Robert is back in these hearings this time it's the foreign influence. We have a special website called Protect Canadian Protect Our Democracy. CA. And Robert joins us now from Parliament Hill. Robert, great to see you again. Yes, it's great to see you too. Now, tell me where you are. I see a plaque behind you. Are you in Parliament? Where are you standing? No, right now I'm in this building. It's National Archives and Library for, for Canada. Right behind me, there's this media room. Since I'm not legitimate media yet, I'll bring my badge tomorrow. I guess I'll get in there. It might be a bit more easy to do things like this with a bit more quiet. Okay, now, are they granting you access? Have they kept you out, or will you be able to get in tomorrow? I, I wasn't pushing the issue because I didn't bring this badge that I've got with me that you, know, you guys were so kind to produce for me. I'll bring it tomorrow. I don't think it'll be a problem. I'm sure I'll be in with all the uh, good media out there. By the way, I want to add something. You were questioning whether or not this inquiry would be legitimate given that the judge, or in this case, the commissioner is her title, can be trusted to do a good faith oversight of this whole inquiry given the fact that, again, she's selected by the federal government Let's add the dimension of news media. There are news media in there also who are granted this sort of intervener status, which I'll explain later. So again, you've got government-funded media overseeing this whole commission, and again, itself is erected by the federal government. So the federal government is sensibly investigating itself. Hmm. Well, Robert, I want you to try and get in there tomorrow. By the way, we were allowed in to the Trucker Commission of Inquiry uh, because – that was up to the judge himself, and he didn't have a hate on for Rebel News the same way Trudeau does. I expect you'll be granted access tomorrow, but if you don't, I want you to tell me right away because we will go to court and, pro and, and sue and ask the court to order them to accredit you. And wouldn't it be incredible if the court said, no, 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 we're going to have a secret inquiry into foreign influence. We don't want any independent journalists. I'm mad. I'm mad about that stuff, Robert. So don't let them get away with it. Anyway, back to, back to what's going on. Um, tell us a little bit more about the judge and what's going on. I understand today is the first day of this commission of inquiry. What are they doing? Just sort of setting out the ground rules and housekeeping and who's who in the zoo kind of thing, or are they right into the thick of it? That's exactly it. So the judge herself, she's a judge from the Quebec Court of Appeals. So ostensibly she has the 
academic and professional pedigree to do this sort of work as much as dealing with legalities. Uh, I don't know much about her beyond that. We'll see how she conducts herself over the course of these hearings. I don't want to be preemptive in any sort of assessment. Um, as far as what's happened thus far, it feels like a university lecture. It's basically just laying out, as you put it, the ground rules, setting the audience's expectations as to how things will operate, the schedule for the next four days. This is scheduled to run until Friday. There's a second and third set of hearings for March and beyond, but that's what we're dealing with now and laying out some definitional parameters. Like just now, for example, here you also find this interesting. Again, it's this sort of question about how transparent, how good faith, how legitimate can this inquiry be? The definitions for classified information were being laid out by somebody who's appointed by this commission. I think he's one of the legal counsels. And he's stating that there are different degrees of classified information, different degrees of secrecy, and putting aside all those sort of minutiae, those boring details, the most important factor is as follows, that in the event that there is classified information that will be presented to the commissioner and the legal team, and that presumably, let's say the commissioner and the legal team want to make that public, they don't think there's a justification to keep this from Canadians, it's still up to the government to make that final determination. So basically, if the commissioner and her legal team want to make something public, they've got to go to the government and say, pretty please. Really? So Trudeau has a veto. Place? Trudeau has given That's himself right. a veto on what can be released. Well, we, this is what they call in Britain, they call this a stitch up is what they would say. Now, let me ask you this. I seem to recall the Conservative Party of Canada wanting full access, wanting equal access to, to look at things. And I, I recall reading headlines that that was denied. Are there different tiers of participants here? Because, by the way, I accept that there are some things that are national security secrets that I it's probably not wise for me and every ordinary person, including bad guys, to know. I think I think there are some legitimate state secrets, but in those cases, members of parliament who were maybe vetted by RCMP and signed some confidentiality, I'm comfortable with MPs and senators seeing confidential things as long as they're adverse to the government. So if there's opposition members included, and often these national security committees, in not just in Canada, but in the US and the UK, they're, they're nonpartisan, they're multipartisan. So they have people from every party. So it's not just running errands for the PM, it's, it's really advocating for the whole country. Let me ask you this, are there people in that room who are adverse to Trudeau, who still have access to everything? Or is it all a Trudeau stitch-up? Is it just if you're with Team Trudeau, you get full access? If you're not, well, you can just stay over there and we'll decide what you can see in here. Okay, so let's take your first question first, which was whether or not there are degrees or levels of participation. So there are basically two broad categories. One is a party with standing, and standing, um, a, a party or person with standing will have essentially full access to everything except for those things deemed classified, which will only first be shown to the commissioner and her legal team. And then there's a possible dispute there. Again, if they ask the government, pretty please, can we disclose this beyond that? And they'll have the access to cross-examine witnesses. The second is a so-called intervener. That's a term I alluded to earlier. An intervener has limited access to the proceedings. An intervener can make requests of the commission to ask certain types of questions, to invite certain types of witnesses or subject matter experts that would be 
decided by this commissioner as to whether or not they are relevant or germane or helpful to the overall ostensible purpose of this inquiry. And the CPC was granted that intervener status. Now, I also saw some tweets and headlines hand-wringing, oh, they're not allowing the CPC to be a full party, to be uh, a party withstanding. So is this inquiry really legitimate? I don't know if I agree with that completely, but I will say this, what the commissioner could have done to sort of afford this standing to the CPC while maintaining some degree of even-handedness would be to grant that to all political parties who requested it, and that wasn't done. Mm -hmm. So you could still have a liberal party representative in addition to the federal government, an NDP representative, so, so to speak, and these different parties could have either intervener status, as was granted in the CPC, or full standing to yeah. introduce witnesses, to cross-examine witnesses, to introduce evidence, and so forth. You know, there's so much wrong with foreign influence in Canada. Global News broke the story a few weeks ago about 700 agents of the Iranian dictatorship running amok in Canada. 700, uh, you know, basically, foreign spies from Iran alone. And then you've got China, which is absolutely not only an industrial intellectual espionage, but an influence campaigns. And, and there's so many, ranging on Sikh extremism and how that affects our relations with India, to the Tamil Tigers, to even, I put it to you, a lot of what Trudeau's doing in Ukraine is because there's hundreds of thousands of expats here. I think in so many ways, this diaspora policy, and I mean, just talk about Hamas. All of a sudden, Canada is chummy with Hamas, getting praised by Hamas, voting with Hamas at the UN. Um, and it's obviously because there's, you know, a million and a half Two million Muslim Canadians, only 300,000 Jewish voters. Trudeau can do the math. I think there's so many ways that Canada's politics has become twisted by foreign influence. And, and by the way, I don't think any of that is going to be addressed by this judge because I think the judge was selected and the terms were written to suit the government. And in every issue I just listed, foreign you know, I, I, ju I just think that Trudeau is more compromised by foreign entanglements than any other prime minister in recent history. Last question to you. What kind of stuff do you expect to be to expect to see over the days ahead? Do, do you think do you think there will be anything that's a surprise or do you think we already sort of know it? We've never just heard it all told in one place at one time before. Well, I can tell you what I know will happen, and then I'll tell you what I suspect will happen. What we know will happen is that certain politicians who have been accused or alleged to have been somehow compromised by or assisted by the Chinese Communist Party will be here as witnesses. They've got standing, so they can cross-examine anybody who testifies against them or in relation to allegations pertaining to them. If I recall their names, one is a senator at you. Uh, he's, I think, from British Columbia. I could be wrong about that. Another one was another lady, actually, a Chinese lady. Her name is, uh, she's a member of parliament, Jenny Kwan. She's an NDP MP, and she's stating that she's been targeted by intimidation and coercion campaigns operated by the CCP. Really? So she's going to be, yeah, so she's going to be a witness testifying that she's been, again, uh, uh, targeted by the CCP for intimidation. There's another one, too. I'm trying to recall his name. I think he's the deputy mayor of some city, maybe even Toronto or, or Brampton or something. I, I can't recall his name. I'm not familiar with all the Canadian personalities yet. He's also stating that he has been targeted for intimidation and coercion 
by the CCP. So he'll testify. And there's another one, Han Dong, an MP who was formerly with the so-called Liberal Party of Canada. Now he's supposedly independent. And he is also uh, a party withstanding because some of these allegations were targeted against him in terms of him right. being a beneficiary of CCP influence. I, I remember him Operation One for him. We had a campaign to get him turf from the government. Isn't that funny? So he's got standing. He's got more access to the facts than the conservative opposition, which is intervener status. That's incredible. Well, listen, I'm sure you'll hammer out all the details and get the exactitudes of the names and the relationships in your reports. The website, one more time, it's it's preserve our what's, protect what's, our democracy. Protect. .ca ourdemocracy.ca. Sorry about that. We have a lot of websites, but it's a good way to compile all our reports in one place. Protectourdemocracy.ca. Robert, thanks for being on the scene. We're really glad to have you in Ottawa. Thanks. All right. Take care. Well, there you have it. Robert Krejcik at this latest Trudeau Commission of Inquiry. Stay with us. More ahead. Well, I, I was sort of surprised. Uh, maybe I shouldn't be surprised that David Lametti gave up so quickly. Maybe he's already purged all the embarrassing things, so he's just putting up the public stuff he doesn't care about. But still, to give up basically without a fight was incredible. Of course, I want it in writing. I want a consent order like I have against the other liberals. In some ways, what we're doing is small beans, you know, small potatoes. But I have to say, even a small win is a win. And it's time we start pushing back against these bullies. And, and I have to tell you that that federal court ruling last week has given me a new confidence. I feel like the atmosphere has changed a little bit. I feel like freedom, the pendulum is swinging back just a little bit. And when the federal court says to Justin Trudeau and David Lametta, you're lawbreakers, it gives the rest of us courage that you know we're not the only ones who feel this way. So I'm very excited about that. We are still going to proceed. We have a number of lawsuits against the government proceeding. And whether they're small or big, we're going to Keep going. Uh, if you want to see the latest on this Lametti lawsuit, go to stopthecoverup.com because that's what he's doing in my mind. He's just deleting the record so that he, you know, it's really deleting evidence. That's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night and keep fighting for freedom. <laughs>